I want to give you an update on my Land Cruiser. It's been oh, a while. Whoa. Guess what? No engine. Uh, it's not I in your driveway. I still don't have it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. I called about it yesterday. I've called a bunch of times, and I've talked to the guy every so Bob uh, week, who? week and a half it's or Bob, so. Bob, you know, Land Cruiser, Land Cruiser, who, what? Yeah, that's what I do every time. Hey, it's Bob with the Land Cruiser, and they go, let me get Travis. And then they hand, <laughs> like, I hold for a while. Um, so yesterday, he answers the phone. For the first time in in as, uh, many months, it wasn't like a, yeah. It was like a... Hey. hey, bud, how's it going? And I'm like, uh-oh. I'm like, it's a little too little too happy, but I haven't gotten a call yet. He said, I ran into a little hiccup. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. The whole thing's been a hiccup. It's been a year and a half long hiccup. Well, it turns out that it's completely done. Everything is in, put back together, but it runs for like seven seconds. Hmm. He's like, did you have trouble with it before of it, you know, shutting off after it gets started? Wait a no, minute. It's is, a brand new motor, isn't it? <laughs> Why it is, would he ask it you is that? a brand new. Yeah. Yeah. And How it was like not know? even the same block, but he was, I guess he was asking if there were any fuel system problems or electrical things. And there's, there weren't, um, there may be now, but there weren't before. So basically what? it'll, it's getting to... enough fuel to get started. And then after that, the injectors are not injecting fuel to keep it running. So that he's seems to... like the typical type of problem that he should never even tell you about. He should fix it. Well, get it going. I called and asked. He, yeah, he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't telling me about it. I'm sure he's fixed a bunch of that type of thing <clears throat> along the way that I haven't known about. Right. But anyway, so it's, it's like 99.9%. It's that... You know, the loading screen when you're like, oh, it's almost done. And it sits on that last little bit and you don't know why that's one percent takes so long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to call and be like, so I accidentally flipped your car inside out and now we're going to have to start over. But Do you have any idea how much this is going to cost? I don't. You well, don't. I mean, I kind of do. He, he told me a range at the beginning and it was really dependent on the machine shop. He told me originally that the the cost, the variance in the cost was about how much the machine shop would had to do. And that's been done for months now, oddly enough. Um, so I called a couple weeks ago when I was talking to, I talked to the guy up front and I'm like, man, this thing's taking a really long time in your shop on your lift. Like it, it was on the lift for like a month. And I'm worried about how much this is going to cost me because I know that that time is very expensive and he was like oh no it'll only be whatever travis told you in the beginning it's it's not going to be more than that just because it's taken us longer which i don't understand from their perspective but hey i'm not going to fight that so fingers crossed i think it's still going to be in the range that he told me originally which was still more than i wanted to pay but you know if you get the vehicle back next week and it mm -hmm. is running perfectly mm -hmm. would you recommend this company um, He's going to say yes not, until he gets the call back. <laughs> not for this job. I think because I've worked with them before. They have fixed things before on that vehicle in... Like, I don't know if I ever told you about this. I had this uh, a, a hole in my exhaust. There's a bung. I don't know if you know what a bung is, but there was a bung that was in... It's like a little attachment that uh, rotted out. <clears throat> and so it was like blowing the noise of the exhaust out the pipe instead of right out the muffler. It was so loud. And it was in a place where I couldn't weld it. I couldn't get my welder out there to it and everything. And I just let this thing be loud for months. 
because I didn't know what to do about it and I thought I was going to have to replace all the stuff. So I take it over there finally and drop it off and the guy calls me back and he's like, oh, I got some bad news. I'm like, oh, what is it? He was like, this thing's going to, this is going to be like a hundred bucks. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And how long is it going to take? He was like, I don't know, like an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> and it, it cost a hundred dollars and took an hour and a half. I picked it up That's that funny. afternoon and it was perfectly fine. So like they're good, but them having to send an engine out to another shop was a big part of it. You know, so mm. I don't know. I just want my car back. Mm. But so that's the update, non-update on my vehicle that nobody asked for. So, how are the you guys? Saga, the saga continues. Yeah, the saga. I'm good. I'm good. I have uh, I have so many things to do between now and and Halloween Day. It's crazy. I, I, you know, when you say yes to several things, and then suddenly you realize you said yes to several things that all have to happen <laughs> in the same four days. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me. My my agent sent me a message. He's like, "When do you think we could have this this ad?" And I was like, "I go, I don't know, maybe next month." He goes, "Oh no, it has to be in October." I was like, "Oh um, man, I didn't read that part. I wouldn't have said yes." <laughs> and so he says, "See if you can make it work. If you can make it work, it's obviously a pretty decent piece of money." So I'm gonna have a video out Friday for an obligation I have to do with the Maker Mob. I'm gonna have a video out Saturday for this advertisement that I didn't want to do. And we're going to have a video out Tuesday. And two of those things oh. don't exist at all yet. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to do a door knocker, a brass casted door knocker, kind of Halloween oh, themed. Man. Oh, man. Oh, boy. That's, oh, that's boy. been on my list. Not for this year, but I've been wanting to do that for several years. Well, I'm trying to change think, it, Jimmy. I'm now I'm not, I'm not I'm not adept at casting brass, but I'm a little bit better at it because I've done it a few times. We got a successful belt casting a couple weekends ago. Uh, I still need to finish that video, but after five different attempts, five different techniques, we got one that works. So now I know that technique works. And doing a door knocker isn't as complicated as a belt. It's not as deep of a draft. And uh, I'm making a, a boot knife for a boot video for Carolina for Halloween Day. It's kind of Halloween themed. So those things are, one doesn't exist at all. One, I get started, but it doesn't, essentially, it doesn't exist. And <clears throat> yeah, it's a lot, of, a lot to do. And then on Friday, I'm putting out the video for the grave restoration. I have hours of footage of several different grave restorations with Wade Fowler, who is the grave restoration guy. He's called the Millennial Stone Cleaner. And he's putting out a video that same day of some of the different subjects we did. I'm going to focus on one that I had to bring back into the shop and work on. He wasn't around for that. So he was there in the beginning when we recovered all the parts in the ground. Then I took it back to my shop and about a month later, I fixed it and reinstalled it. So that video will be out Friday with a little ad in it. I apologize for the ads, but hey, that's how we make our money. Don't apologize for the ads. No, nah. absolutely not. Yeah. No, I know. I, you know, my, you know, my barometer is. I'm obviously a huge Howard Stern fan. Have been for years. Howard Stern is obviously doesn't need to do ad reads. He does ad reads every day. And I'm like, if Howard Stern's still doing ad reads, I could do an ad read. Mm -hmm. That's how I think about it. And you, know, you just scroll past them if it's not for you. That's what I always say. Yeah. But so I got to do those and. Um, then I'll be in good shape with zero sleep on Wednesday morning. Yeah. <laughs> By the time we get together again. 
But that's it's exciting. Uh, Halloween's coming. It's fall. It's interesting that you said that you had a bunch of stuff to do before Halloween because it feels like I, I get that that's the end of the month and that's why it matters. But yeah. Halloween seems like a weird point in time for you to personally for you to like. I've got to get things done by Halloween. Like people say that about Christmas, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you just wrap up by the, the big day. The one video is, is Halloween themed, and I was asked by uh, uh, Carolina to put it up on that such, of course. And I was like, oh, that'd be great, you know, ending, and, ending the month with that. And then two, these two other videos came up. I'm like, uh, uh, uh what? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I know I've told you this before, but I am still amazed that you can come up with project ideas. Like, to be able to come up with extra things to do in a short amount of time, to be able to idea, ideate them and shoot them and edit them. Like, I would just get irritated. And I would just be like, I can't think of a good thing to do in that amount of time, you know? I, I so I was going back and forth with my agent, and he wants to he wants to add read so that they could approve it with with a day or two ahead of time. And I said I'll get you that, and then in the meantime I'll think of an idea to make the video for Saturday. Now today is Wednesday. Video has to be yeah. published Saturday. I haven't even started it yet, and I didn't have an idea until after dinner last night. I sat with my friend and we discussed a couple of concepts. I said I want to do. I want to do cast brass. Maybe I make a brass plaque. And this can go back to what we talked about today. And we're going back and forth. And we started Googling images of cast brass. And a door knocker popped up. And I was like, perfect. I'll do a mm. skull-themed, Halloween-themed door knocker. And I could put it on the house. And it could be, I could live there. Once I'm done with it, it'll be there. And so I'm going to start with either a hand-sculpting clay. Or uh, I'll sculpt it on the bandsaw. But I'm going to make a, a skull Start. This is going to all all happen tomorrow, <laughs> from from like noon because I got to go to the bank in the morning, from noon till the evening, and then I'll have all day Friday to edit. And in the meantime, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go out and shoot my piece for the advertiser, so they have a day to look at it. I'll probably be. T I'll probably if I start at noon today, I'll probably be done with that by like two o'clock. The the read and the edit. I'll send that over to them. If they give me approval at the end of the day or any notes, I'll do it tonight and tomorrow. Send it back. In the meantime, tomorrow I'll be working on the on the door knocker all day. Do you notice any difference in quality in the video when you're rushed like this or when you have plenty of time? Uh, honestly, if it's a clean cut idea, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, when it's right. a vaguely, I'm not sure where I'm going with this idea. Like I just kept saying last night, I want to cast a plaque because it's easy. It's just a quick, it's, it, it, that is definitely part of casting this simply. I don't want to do a deep draft. I don't want to do two-sided mold. It's going to make it complicated. It could have a failure. If I just make a, a CNC sign or a hand cut sign, stick it in the, in the Petra bond, pull it out, pull in brass and then boom. Melting it now is, is the easy part for me. It was the hard part before. Now I know I could do it. Uh, boom no problem but doing the door knocker gives it a little bit more of a dimension it's going to be two parts i'm going to have to cast two parts and then assemble them it gives it just a little bit more fodder a little bit more screen time and a little bit more problem solving so interesting i'm gonna have to do a little machining after i cast it so that's another hmm. bit of screen time to cast for the for the ring that's gonna become the knocker <clears throat> 
So I got I yeah. got that on my head. And then this, I don't know if you guys have been following along, I made this sort of utility bag. I'm calling it the unisex utility bag with the with the tab and slot leather links. And I have a yeah. pretty definitive design. It's about 90% there. This Now that I've made about eight of them, and I've sold almost all of them pretty much accounted for, I get six more hides next week. And out of each hide, I can get about three or four bags. So I'm going to have about another 20 bags to be made. Laser cut, hand assembled, rivets, all the rivets going by hand. <clears throat> and so that's turning out to be a business. I said something to... Me and Derek do a little podcast. We both, we, when we never were together, we do like about a half hour, hour long conversation about something. And the last time we did it was right when we got back from Carhartt. And the one theme that kept coming through and through and through in Carhartt was this guy, I forget his name, Ichabod or something. He's got some antique name, uh, Carhartt, the guy that started Carhartt. Uh, was it? It'll come to me. Uh, he had the bib overalls. The, the bib overalls, the, the overalls that just like with the shoulder straps, those overalls were the thing. Those would, That's what started Carhartt. They did that for like 30 years and then they finally came up with like a pair of pants and a jacket. So that's what started Carhartt was those bib overalls. And I, me and Derek did this podcast and I kept saying, what is the thing? What is that one thing that starts the company? <laughs> what are Ichabod's overalls? Yeah. What is that one yeah. thing? Like what is going to be the one thing that is the thing that will become the thing. And I talked about it years ago on one of these podcasts where I said, you know, hand me the Duresta and it's the ice pick, you know, because nobody knows who I am. They just think the thing like is the, the name of the thing. Like I, I always think what is going to be that one thing that we leave if we're designers and makers, what is the one thing we're going to leave like the model a, or what is it going to be that one thing that we leave? That's going to be generations from now. They'll be like, Oh, hand me the, the Duresta. Wait, you mean this thing or that thing? I mean the, the no the metally thing, not the leathery thing. Give me the metally thing. So the that's what I was thinking about with this bag. Like this could be the impetus of a of a bigger thing. That one of my goals as a designer is to leave something, obviously to leave something that will be generational, and yeah, might be the. I mean, I made enough ice picks. They're going to definitely be in toolboxes and flea markets in twenty years. <coughs> now now the bag has turned out to be. The thing I think I don't know. But Interesting. People really react to it. It's 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 a culmination, and we're going to talk about design today. But it's a culmination of so many iterations to me for me to get to this point, and it's clear to me now. But while I was working on it, like I remember making a bag with like a D ring that hangs off the edge, and I remember making a bag with the clips, and then a bag with the rivets, and and the whole time what I kept doing, and and I'm looking back at it. The whole entire time I'm trying to make a bag that I can make fast and make alone and not have to sew. If you guys know anything about sewing, unless you're Hermes or some fancy giant company, every time you sew, there's a hiccup. There's always like a back stitch that leaves an extra hole you didn't want. I'm not that good at sewing. Plus, sewing is, is difficult to get that big thick leather under the sewing machine. So I can make a hand sewn bag easy but I can't make six hand-sewn bags and they all look exactly the same. So I've just been trying this whole time to come up with a cookie cutter thing that I could assemble easily, I could pass off to somebody else if I can teach them how to assemble it, and it'll always be basically the same. 
and I've really hit the mark finally after so many iterations. And I'm looking around in my office here. I have, I'm not going to pull them up to the camera because it's be too complicated, but I have six or seven different bags that I made for YouTube videos and various things while I've been working with Weaver. And all of them led up to this particular design. Hmm. And it's pretty amazing. And, and it finally feels, not 100%, but it feels done. Hmm. For, you know, right. yeah. you know how, many, how often do we make something and you just go, meh, all right. You know, it's, not, it's not done, but you know, at least I got to this point. Yeah, you know, it's like it's enough. Base camp yeah. six, base camp fifteen, base camp, and then you like get to the top, and you're like, "All right, I think I'm done with this. I can move on to some other thing." Like it's like, now, this mm. is done. Now, the the thinking, the design thinking process is almost on autopilot now because the problems will solve themselves. Where up till then it was brain power. So as I'm putting more together, I'm realizing, okay, I need to make this little hole a little bigger. That's easy. I could adjust the file. I need to do this. Next time I do that, I got to drill that hole a little bigger. Those are things that solve themselves. But things that need brain power to solve are the ones that you make it, you go, this could be better if it was over here, or this could be better if it was over there. And those are like the innate things that, as a designer, kind of you keep regurgitating the, the unsatisfactory as you keep making them. The most important thing through all of it, I didn't mean to talk about all this right now, is iteration. You got to keep making it. You got to keep making it. And if it's, you know, I, I reposted my friend Heather last night. I gave her one of the very first ones I did. That is not at all how I'm going to continue to make them because it was too complicated to make this bottom pocket that closes up. And so... Heather, she's happy to use it. It's certainly a functioning bag, but it's 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 not. It's a little bit of a messy design. But that was one of the first ones that I was like, okay, I got it. And then I didn't have it. And I was like, you know what? Mm. Let me eliminate this whole flap, make it easier to look cleaner. It'll go together faster. Um, iteration. Sometimes, as a as somebody who puts their stuff out there publicly, iteration is hard mentally because I will think, oh, I've already done this. And I am True. going to, people are going to say you already did this, but the True, in actuality, I have a different audience than I had four years ago. It's okay for me to do something. Actually, it's okay for mm. me to redo something that I did two months ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. But we have this little mental block, like, oh, we have to keep pushing forward and moving on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. This boot knife that I'm going to be making with the Carolina theme is similar to something I've done three times already, but I'm still doing it. And while I'm working on it, it's like, haven't I, I've never, I feel like I've never done this before because I'm doing new things that I otherwise would never have hmm. done. I'm putting a big, uh, I actually, I got the blade kind of roughed out and I started the grind last night, although it hasn't been heat treated or anything. It still needs a lot, a lot of work, but I'm putting a, a big hollow grind on it with the big giant wheel. And I've never really done that because it's scary to me. I'm like, I'm going to fail. I'm going to ruin my whole, I'm going to ruin the whole project if I do this wrong. And I said, well, you got to put on my big boy pants and try it. If it doesn't work out, I'll just make it again off camera till I get to that point and start again. Use the footage I shot in the beginning. And I've done that. Do you guys ever do that? Do you guys ever make a project? Get to a point on the filming where it fails or you break it or there's something that you can't recover from. And then I just make it again right up to that point, And then I start filming yeah. again. Well, we, uh, I'll, I'll talk about it when it comes time to talk about my, my current project. I almost did that because it didn't, came, it didn't come out the way I wanted it. And I was really torn of like, do I completely start over 
or do I fix this and move on? If I completely start over, I can make plans for this project. But then that sets me back a, a whole week. Do, well, that's or, what I'm saying. I, you, yeah. You could keep everything you shot up to then and go, oh, you do like the old movie theme where it's like you hear the brakes screech and it's like, this is where we had a problem. Like you come on the voiceover and then you, you go into a new direction. Yeah. I've done that a couple of times. In fact, the video that's coming out this week <clears throat> is replacing a big cabinet thing that was in the shop simply because I made the cabinet the wrong size. And, and like three or four years ago, I made it the wrong size. And in the video, it wasn't worth saying like, I did this wrong. So I just made it again and put the one, the wrong size one over in the corner and then ended up setting tools on it and stuff. So it was yeah, fine. That's why I have the same but, exact thing. I made, a, I made a video of this whole <clears throat> process for a client. I made a, a reception desk. And I welded up this whole reception desk that warped. But the whole thing was on camera, but you didn't see the warp. And I just put it aside, and I had to make the whole thing again. So this time without the warp in it, because it was the top that was warped. And I use it as a tool. It's like a tool rest. I have a bunch of things melted to the top of it. But in the video, you never yeah. see that. I never stay and say, oh, this is the second one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but David, uh, what have you been up to? Yeah, David, you go. So sometimes I'm embarrassed to say that I'm uh, I'm still working on the same project that I've been working on for three weeks. This is I I would encourage you not to feel embarrassed because I feel that too. But you shouldn't. It, it feels, but internally it feels like oh I'm saying this for the third week in a row, and then when the thing comes out, it's only going to be a little twenty-two inch table, right? But this one actually took a while, and I did I do other things and some other things got in the way so this is one of those projects but it is i it's the simon table where i'm making a little side table and it's got the electronic simon game built into it and it is 99 done we're just a little little bit of finishing touches in there and um the problem with this video is since it took three weeks i'm probably i have so much footage and i haven't been editing along the way so as soon as this podcast is over I got to go through hours of footage and uh, so I think it's going to take me a little bit longer to edit this one so it may come out this weekend or it may come out early next week but it looks it looks fantastic I'm really really happy with the way it came out and it is one of those things I was going to originally have plans for this I don't make a lot of plans anymore because the plans just take a lot of time I'm like this one's so simple it and the plans wouldn't include the Simon. The plans would just include like a decorative top. And then when I, when Wesley Treat was here, I was gluing things together. I'm like, this is not as strong as I wanted it to be. I can't make plans for this table and tell people to make this. And it would be too flimsy. So that's that point where like, do we, do I start over or do I just strengthen this? and not make plans for it. And I went back and forth and it took me a few hours to figure out what I wanted to do. And in the end, I just wanted to, I just wanted to push forward because we're a week and a half into it. I just want this one to be done so I can move on to the next thing. So there won't be plans for it, but it is now structurally sound because I added all this bracing. So from all, all the parts of the table that you can see, it looks fantastic. If you flipped it upside down and looked at the bottom, you'd be like, what is going on here? There was there was not much thought into this so it's one of those things but i'm really happy with it and um as jimmy was talking earlier 
next uh, next month I committed to four sponsored videos. So next month, Ooh. November, is going to be an exercise in prep. And yeah. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of up for the challenge. I know that I have to do four videos in four weeks, and I am going to be super I'm gonna have a schedule that I'm gonna I'm gonna need to stick to and I wanna have everything planned out so everything goes right and leave room for mistakes and stuff like that so i'm actually you looking know forward you can always to stay awake at least a little bit this is this is so true this is so true but um I, yeah i i'm not gonna apologize for the all the sponsored content because it allows me to do all these fun super creative things so yeah yeah that is that is gonna be fun and then um, a couple, at least one of the projects will be for the new house. We close on it tomorrow. We get the keys for it tomorrow. And it's going to be fun. Congrats. It, yeah. it is going to be fun. Yeah. It's a big accomplishment. Kelly texted me this morning saying, only one more sleep until we get the new house. And then I replied with, yep. And then after that, no more sleeps. yeah (laughs) and then we're broke and then we're broke yeah um it will probably be a year before it's rentable um that's kind of like poor yeah house poor um a privileged poor how about that Mm -hmm. uh it's gonna take a long time we don't have the all the funds to furnish the whole thing and so i'm giving myself a year to to you know swap out appliances build furniture buy furniture and get it ready so so little tip i was last night um i was looking on this uh website called well the website is bidfta.com and it's one of those like surplus bidding sites where you know returns from amazon or from target or from wayfair or whatever they go in these lots and then they put the lot up and and then you can go bid on these things then after the auction ends within a couple of days, they show up at a local warehouse to where you are. And then you can go just pick the thing up and you can get like brand new stuff very, very cheaply. Interesting. So, and then some of it's garbage and some of it's, you know, not worth the money or whatever, but I've gotten a lot of things through there. And, uh, a lot of friends here, one of the warehouses is in here is here in town. They're all over the place. And so a lot of us get, good stuff from there. So last night I was looking at this site for something else for a project, just kind of keeping my eye out. And I found a couch that's this really cool looking kind of yellow green, like fun couch and brand new, still in the box. And they have a picture of it, like with the box cracked open. And it was, uh, I think it was a dollar 35 when I was looking at it. And I, yeah. And I bid on it up to $15. And then I was like, well, I mean, I don't know if $15 is a little much for a couch, <laughs> a 72 inch couch. So I kind of let it go because I don't really need it, but it was like a fun, you know, it would be a fun replacement for one of ours that our cats have destroyed. So anyway, there's this site, which is very hard to navigate. It's terrible for searching. You uh. can't look for a thing, but there's another site that Forby found and it's called something similar. And I will tell you in just a minute what it's called. It's FTA Kit. FTA Kit, something like that. Yep. And it's a companion 
like a third-party search site. So you can put in a search. I'm looking for a couch, whatever. You put in couch, and then it will... It's a little app, right? You know, yeah, it, it'll search for you and notify you if there are new auctions that have that thing you're looking at. So you don't have to like go back every day and just like go through listings and everything. So if you're looking for furniture, there's all sorts of stuff that, like I said, is the returns from Amazon or from Target or from Wayfair, um, Walmart, and probably other places as well. But those are the ones that come through a lot. And so, you know, you can put some searches on there, get some stuff really cheap, especially if it's for a rental, if it's like not absolutely perfect or not your personal preference mm -hmm. it's going to be in a rental so. interesting one of yeah. the I, I might have a tip for uh, self-employed independent people and maybe the situation was just different this time but when we went to buy this particular house and i'm uh and the banks have to go through uh you know their whatever they have to do to approve you all they needed from kelly was her w-2s from me they had to go through my bank accounts and they went through line by line really? and there's a funny story here um there was a money deposit in one of my accounts this this involves jimmy and Ooh. it was my my father had recently passed away there was i, I mean i probably am incriminating myself by saying this out loud but um, my father had recently passed away. There was money, physical cash left in the house. And I took that and I just deposited that into my account is what people do. And so when we were going through this approval process, the loan officer was like, hey, what is this deposit right here? We need to know where this came from. Drugs. And, I mean, uh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so you can't just say it's found money. There has to be a trail. So for there to be a trail, then I have to go through the lawyer that's handling the estate and they have to do a whole thing. And it, it was it was a whole thing. So instead, I said, Jimmy, here is my laser cutter that I don't need anymore. I'm going to give you this. Will you write me a receipt saying you paid for it? Jimmy, do you remember this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about it. Wow. Said. It was a long time ago. And you, so you emailed me a receipt and then I was able to show where this money came from. And Jimmy was in Ohio like the next weekend and I was able to meet up and, and give him, give him this laser cutter. This particular time. Hold on. The feds are knocking on my door. <laughs> <laughs> They're listening in right now. Um, so this particular time. Uh, the bank is asking, hey, where is the deposit? Where is the closing cost coming from? And I gave them my money market account, which there are very few transactions in that particular account. It's just when I go deposit money, every once in a while, I need to take money out of there. And so um, this time in the approval process, I'm like, yep, it's coming from the money market. And they had no questions at all because there's like at, at most like 20 transactions a year so if you were uh, uh independent maybe that's a way to go so the bank is not going through every single one of your transactions asking you questions and stuff interesting it was yeah a much easier process this time hmm i wonder if that's dependent on like just how the bank does it as well because it's a different situation i guess but when we bought the building it's a corporate purchase but it's still everything comes back to me personally. So, um, 
I had to submit tax returns for multiple years, but I don't think there were bank account things. Hmm. Not that I remember anyway, because um, that would have been a huge pain, you know. But I think I would have remembered that. But so it could be dependent on the bank, yeah. Too, but it could have just been a different situation. Cool. <sighs> um, so. I wanted to talk about design this week, unless you guys have anything else. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this because this is what I went to school okay. for. I was very passionate about this, but are you working on anything? Oh, um, yes, <laughs> but I don't want to talk about it. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm working on... on it, it's weird. So I'm in a, a spot where you know, our team changed a while back, and I talked about that. And one of the... the Things coming out of that change, everybody's doing well, by the way. Um, Josh and Anthony and Megan are all doing well. Um, one of the things that came out of that was us trying to loosen up the schedule a little bit and do a little bit fewer videos every month so that I have a little bit more time to, you know, to work on them and not feel so rushed and to make them better and stuff. And even with that opening up, there's still this weird block of, um, I don't know, like... We it it still feels full, it's it's a different kind of full, but still feels like we're up against just not enough time. I think we need another editor. I think that's what it is. I think I'm asking too much of uh, Forby to try to keep up um, with all the different things that I want to accomplish. So I think that's part of it, and I got to figure that out. But trying to do slightly bigger projects in more time is basically the same as doing smaller projects in small time. <laughs> There's just more at stake because they take longer. So that's where I'm at right now is I'm working on something that I was hoping to get done in the next couple of weeks. And I probably could, but I think I'm going to have to switch gears and, and you know, kind of do something smaller, which is why I was talking, Jimmy, about you being able to like come up with an idea and just shoot it and be done. I feel like that's harder for me to do these days. Just to come up with an idea that's worth doing, I can come up with an idea. You know, I could build a table that goes right there, but I don't need a table that goes right there. Um, and it also wouldn't be that interesting. So that switching of gears to something that is interesting and useful is a little bit harder to do because I feel like I've filled in all those little things around me that needed, you know, stands for the speakers right here in front of me. Like I, I did that several years ago, so I don't need that anymore. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at is I have these bigger things that I'm working on and they're taking longer and they're a lot of problem solving and I'm going to have to figure out a way to be able to supplement the bigger things with smaller things. And so how do I come up with those smaller things? How do I have enough manpower to get them edited and get them out just so that we can have a constant flow of something? And I'm trying to settle into that new, you know, process, um, and at the same time, trying to maintain some margin. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I'm I'm working really hard at this point in my life to try to keep to keep work over here. And as a self-employed person, I know that that's not our tendency, and that's not the thing that the world tells us. Like, yeah, you should like separate your <laughs> yourself and your work. You know. It's all about hustle and it's all about productivity and doing better and stuff. And I really, I want to separate those things out and have a life. And then I want to work, but I don't necessarily want those things to be constantly overlapped. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to figure that out, trying to maintain what I've 
moved toward there. And it's a tough balance of having to accomplish things to keep the business going and to get money. And then also needing to have some margin and to have some empty brain space and to have some enough of a separation to be able to focus on my kids and focus on my wife and focus on the fact that I live in a beautiful place that I need to take advantage of, you know, the, all that type of stuff. So a couple of, um, uh, uh, in a couple of books I read recently, I think one was Seth Godin. I can't remember what the other one was, but they said the same thing. And it was, you are not your work. Your work doesn't identify you. And yeah. it kind of goes against of my thinking for the last eight years or so, because like that was my identification. Like that was, that was me. And yeah. I, I, it really kind of struck me in a way of like, okay, who am I? If I am not my work, who am I? Maybe I'm thinking about yeah. things wrong. Yeah, you know, that hit me a while back when I was around some of my kids' friends. And they, you know, kids are always going to be proud of their parents for a thing, and they're going to tell that thing to their friends. And that's that's like, you know, their brag. Like I used to, I would brag on my parents for different things. I remember telling somebody that my dad knew Kung Fu. He didn't know Kung Fu, but I remember that very specifically in second grade. <laughs> but I was bragging on him for a thing, and I wanted him to be known as like this certain type of dad or a certain type of guy. So my friend, my kids have told their friends that I'm a YouTuber, which I'm not a fan of that title anyway. But one time we were with a group of these kids at a soccer game or something. And this kid walked by and was like, hey, he's a YouTuber. And they're like, oh, cool, cool. And when I walked away from them, I'm like, hmm, no, I mean, I guess I am, but that's not all I am. And But that group of kids, that generation of people that are tangential to my life, they know me as that one thing. I'm like, but there's there's a lot more happening and i don't know that i want that to be the thing that gets described you know, about me to you know the people that i come in contact with for the first time like i don't want that to be the the business card and so it kind of started that thing that you're talking about there it kind of started separating that out a little bit for me is like i don't want to be known as that to new people i want to be known as the the dad of these kids the husband of this wife the one who's a problem solver, who's a musician. Nobody knows me as a musician anymore, but that used to be the thing that everybody knew me by, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm trying to find some of that stuff again in life. But the trade-off there is by finding those things, you invest less of yourself into the work that pays bills. And so there's this weird kind of like spinning plates thing where you got to you want to be you, but you also have to pay for things and you have to keep it all, you know. And so it's interesting hearing you talk about the leather bag as another, yet another offshoot of a thing that could exist outside of your video, outside of your weekly, monthly production. It's just another thing that you're putting into the world that can supplement. And I think having products and having those physical things that are not your personality that are not your camera presence those things buy you time they buy you space to be you and not youtube you and i i was not planning on talking about this but that that's a thing that i've been like actively trying to figure out for a couple of years now and 
you know, in the last six months or so, it's really come to a head to where I'm like, I've got to find a way to be me and to have a job. <laughs> the two things, those two things have to be able to exist. Otherwise, like, I, I don't know how this will work any, any mm. longer. So, um, so in the moment right now, trying to do a project that is fun, that is interesting, that is very possibly not going to hit with viewers. I don't know, but I'm trying to figure out a way to do that at my own pace and still pay bills and still have, you know, all that stuff. So but, that's how I'm doing <laughs> since you were asking. Yeah. Wow. 40 yeah. minutes in. Maybe we should save yeah. this subject for next Maybe week. Maybe we should save the, yeah, the design this is, thing for next uh, week. This podcast is therapy for us. Absolutely. It absolutely is. Yeah, I was thinking about that. The other I was going to say, are you deriving joy from these projects that you know won't hit with the audience? We talked about this, but with the, like the cardboard one, I mean, are yeah. you feeling more in that place that you, you feel like you're missing? I mean, that stuff, yeah, I had a blast doing those two videos. And this one that I'm working on now, is it's a it's totally different, but it's very experimental. It's it's motors and 3D printing, and I'm trying to figure out some physics. And, I'm you know, it's like a totally different set of stuff. And I would love to just turn off the camera and just figure it out and just play with it and and iterate and make it better and then do the thing. But it's not. it wouldn't end up as a thing that could exist without video. You know, it's not a thing I could sell. It's not like that. Right. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I had a blast doing those two projects. They, they felt fun and they felt, they felt like silly. And, you know, it's, I love to be productive and additive to the world. I love to add things that are useful for people, but man, like adding some joy, adding some fun is, a different set of valuable it's a totally different kind of good that you can add into the what viewers see it's just not quite as for me for the the way that i do it i guess the way that i make videos it's not the thing that's going to grab attention you know which is kind of the name of the game here mm -hmm. so it's found a lot of joy in it but i'm not sure what to do with that you know um so th maybe we do save the design thing because i had another thought okay uh, that I kind of wanted to pull up that that's attached to this. So I was watching this channel. Uh, let me find this guy's channel. I'll put it in the show notes. It's a guy that I've seen before. He, he used to work at YouTube and his name is Matt Galen something. Matt uh, Koval. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the channel's called Creator Dynamics. Not a huge channel. He has like less than 7,000 subscribers. But I've known the guy from, he was like a creator, a comedy creator years ago. He worked at YouTube. He was like the first creator liaison at YouTube. And so I stumbled across one of his videos again, started watching it. And lots of good creator-focused, you know, like videos about how to continue to do it and how to how to do it well and stuff good videos but one of them was about isolation i think that was what it was called yeah creator isolations the quiet killer of youtube channels now if you are a video creator youtube specifically be careful watching these videos because if you one of them hit me pretty hard and i was like oh well this is over <laughs> like hmm because he talked about the lifespan of creators on YouTube and he went back to when he, this is all connected, so hang with me. He went 
back to when he was on YouTube and he showed a graph of his performance and it, it the channel grew and it went up and then it just like tailed down and then he said now keep that graph on screen in, in Google Trends and go to another generation of creator and search for them same pattern 10 years later another creator the same pattern and it's like a six or seven year rise and long fall a decline of views and activity and all this stuff Granted, this is a search, so it's not a complete picture of things. But I watched that, and then I went, I should probably search myself just to see what the, you know? And I did, and the peak was a long time ago. Yeah, and I always say I peaked in like 2017, 2018. So I, the, I feel but that. But actually seeing the data, like I know that. I've yeah. known that it was before, but to see that long decline, and then to go like, yeah, but I'm still, I'm still working. I'm still like probably working harder than I've worked before and to see that it was it was a little bit depressing but also like kind of not as isolating because then I go oh wait wait this happens to everybody this isn't just me this isn't because I'm bad at it this isn't because there's a there's an appetite there's a season there's a you know I wanna, these like things that move I want to show out. you something since we're doing video I'll show you this look okay see that that's my mm -hmm. lifetime my lifetime video views. I can't read it backwards. I don't know what it says. But you see that peak right there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got 15 million views in one month in May. Really? This year. I don't know why. I didn't do anything. Had nothing to do with the Netflix show. There was just a weird scramble surge to my channel. And I that's the that's when I broke 2 million. I added like 30,000, 40,000 subscribers that month. And Wow. Well, just to give you guys hope. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how to capture yeah. it. I don't know what right. I did to get sure. it. But Adam noticed it. Adam does my, my back room. And Adam, he goes, do you realize what's going on this, this month on your channel? I was like, not really. So I opened up. He said, and every day we were getting like quarter million views a day, which is unlike my channel. Yeah. Like every 24 hours yeah. I was getting like another quarter million views. And for the whole month of May, it was just ex exploding. So that gives me hope that we could somehow recapture sure. something in a bottle. I did well, nothing. It was the, there was no one particular video that went viral. It was just the whole channel went crazy. So yeah, I, I I'm not trying to like just take it down. You're right. There is hope. And the thing that I I, I got to from this video that of his, I watched it. I searched my name. I looked at my graph, and I was like, well, crap. Like this is not good. But he goes on to say that the reason, one of the reasons that that happens is because as creators, we start doing a thing. That thing is successful. It builds a channel. And then because of, you know, consumer appetite or because of topic stuff or just changing in formats and whatever, that thing that we were doing that was successful becomes not as interesting to people. And so you start having that drop off. And I, as soon as he said this, I felt it very deeply what we do as that drop-off starts to happen is we say well the thing that i did that got me there got me there so i should do it harder i should do it better i should crisp the edges up so that i can keep doing it and what's actually happening is the floor is changing underneath you it's not necessarily maybe it's not necessarily that what you're doing is not good enough it's just that the world changes the appetite changes the platform changes and so his takeaway from that was, even if you've grown, even if you got to a point with a thing and that thing is not working, is 
as much anymore. Don't feel like you have to keep doing that thing. Mm. Like change it. You it's if it's not working, you're not losing anything. You're, and and I'm starting to infer past what he said here. You know, it's okay to change it, especially if it's not working. And this is what I've gone through in the last year or so. I keep, I, I was like, I got to hit this thing harder. I've got to do this thing better. And it's still not working. And that doesn't mean that I'm bad at it. Right. <laughs> I need to change it. I need to come up with something else. And so, to wrap all the way back around to what I said before, um, I'm at a point now where I'm starting to think about maybe... Maybe just doing project videos about things that I care about is not enough. Maybe there's something else that I can do on this channel or on another channel that is easier, it's faster, still valuable, still does something, yeah. still is worthwhile, but totally different as a way to supplement. It can be my leather bag right. to supplement the things that I actually want to do that are not going to make money because they're just fun and they're not broad enough and stuff. So. Um, I mean, this is the conversation that goes on in my head all the time. January, yeah. I have no sponsor commitments. And this will be the first time in years, probably five years, where I have a month where I don't have a sponsor. This is at a very crucial time where we just bought a second house. And so... I, I don't, I don't want to tell, I don't want to say my idea here on the main show because I don't want a bunch of feedback because this is a thing that I, I want to experiment with. Um, but I'm thinking about trying something completely different in January because there's no commitments. I'm, I, I, and I know that it's not going to work right away, but it mm. could potentially pay off and so i'm going to tease it now and then we can discuss it in the after show of, of what i'm thinking but okay. um i'm i'm terrified but i'm also super excited because that's the uh, there's no sponsors in january this is <laughs> this is the kick in the butt yeah. that i need to to come up with better ideas and push myself forward you know, I think for me, that, that situation right there where you've got an idea, you've got a thing you want to try, and it has to kind of replace, kind of be in addition to what you're already doing, you know, because it's new and you're testing it or whatever. The bottleneck right there hits me, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot in the last couple of weeks. There's a bottleneck around production and around editing, specifically editing. Uh, like, if you want to do something new... I, like right now, I just don't have the hands, the qualified hands to edit new things. Imagine, I'm not saying I'm doing this, but imagine I said, I want to start another channel right now that's uh, reviews. I'm going to start reviewing 3D printers or tools or whatever. I could shoot those. I could go sit down. I'm confident enough in myself that I could go sit down with a 3D printer, play with it in front of a camera for a while, understand how well it works, and then make a review out of it. And probably make it fun and engaging and worthwhile and stuff. But then I can't ask Forby to edit another video this week. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I can't, <laughs> I can't just, but I also don't know how to find a good editor for that type of thing. It's not, not our project video editing. It's a different skill set. It's a different pace. It's different everything. I don't know how to find that person. And I know there may be some people out there listening right now who have that skill set and would like to help. And if so, send me a message. Not you've edited a video before. If you actively edit videos and you want to do them well for someone I need someone to do that. So I'll throw that out there. But that <laughs> bottleneck of 
of the the post production and the you know the posting and the editing and the social and all that type of stuff is a real problem uh, for us at least, and it stops experimentation on the content side for Ooh. me. It stops me from trying those things that you're talking about because it costs so much mm-hmm. for me to pull Forby or whoever I've worked with in the past from what they're already doing, which is kind of a known quantity to something that is not a known quantity. You know, it's just, it's too expensive to do. So anyway, I, one of the things about trying to build in margin lately is also trying to figure out what other supplemental things I can do or what directions need to completely change maybe long-term, you know, like maybe, Maybe I just do something vi- video-wise. I just do something completely different, mm-hmm. or start to alternate between a project and a whatever, or you know, start a car channel that's all automotive stuff, which I know would not do well. But you know, there's got to be something there, and I'm at a point now where I want to really start figuring out what that is to make this uh, flexible. You know? I just sent you a, a screen capture that I took a couple days ago. And I, I took a screen capture of this because I thought it was a good way to look for an editor. Um, this guy named Patty Galloway, he's uh, he's like a, he's one of the YouTube gurus. And I took his class and he's looking for an editor. And he says in this screen capture from his Instagram story, send me a DM with these three things. Link to a YouTube video that you've edited, your rate for a 10 minute video, your years of experience. And if you... I, I think you have to add those particular things, otherwise you'll just get like a flood of yeah, right. And then he says, if you send me That's anything else or double message, or you don't have those three things, I won't read it. And that sounds rude, but when you get like hundreds of DMs, you really need to be able to quickly narrow this down. So I took a screen capture for myself, and I wanted to share that with you as maybe a a way to look for an absolutely. Editor. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So anybody that I that heard me say, send me a message. Don't <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, wait till I post my version of this thing. Yeah. And then if you meet those requirements. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's that's a great filter to to put on it. And I have had some people reach out about editing and I've, I've not just like, you know, written them off. So don't think that if you're one of those people. Um, but yeah, finding finding that's kind of supplemental help to be able to experiment and try new things that are outside of what we've done so far, I think is, it's like one of my next steps. It's got to be one of those things that buys some margin. And it's weird. It's this, it's this big domino thing of <clears throat> if I can find a video alternative or an addition or something that requires an editor but provides more income it provides margin, which gives me space to come up with a leather bag, which provides margin, which gives me space to make the project videos that I want to make. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, and I know that one of those things does not guarantee the other. Yeah. And I know that. But if I can start to just supplemental is the word that keeps coming up. If there's supplemental stuff yeah. that allows you to do more of the thing you want to do, I think just it's all going to work better. you know. And, and this is not just a video thing. This is like a whatever you do for a living, you need margin in your life. And you got to find a way to create that margin through supplementing things. I've, uh, I've, I've obviously gotten used to the, uh, the juggling of 300 projects at any given time. And I think that's partly because of a fear of 
running out of either things to do or running out of income or running out of whatever it is. So I'm constantly, oh, let me try that. Someone sends me, oh, you want this machine? Let me, let me grab that machine. Are you going to do this? And you know, people watching closely from the outside that are around me are like, you never stop. Like, do you ever stop? Like my friend asked me if, if I ever have achy bones or if I ever have achy knees when I get up, do you, does your back ever hurt? I was like, no, never. It's, it's like, it's unbelievable that you never have, because I'm also doing this. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff at the house that I'm doing. I'm doing the foundation over and, you know, the, the graveyard house. And uh, a lot of my motivation and me working on the bag and doing ice picks and buying machines to make more ice picks and all this stuff is, is definitely out of a fear of, running out of things to do a fear of running out of income yeah but but a lot of it is also driven by curiosity i also i mean i've been accused of by ex-girlfriends in the past of distracting myself from my feelings mm. <laughs> by completely <laughs> delving into projects and i'm not going to deny that probably yeah. right just keep myself distracted yeah our and our escape is also our distraction yeah yeah i mean it's on purpose it's on right purpose. that's that's what an escape is yeah, yeah. i but, don't watch dramas because i i want to watch comedies that yeah. are or action that is not reality because i want to get out of reality in that moment just that. to escape you know but the idea of iteration 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 like i said in the beginning of the podcast iteration making a bag over making a knife over making and that's where you come up with the the one thing to buy you margin Mm-hmm. And I guess if, you know, theoretically, if you have enough of those things that are a little bit of margin, they add up to margin. <laughs> they add up to something notable, you know. Um, if you have enough little businesses, products, whatever, that are generating enough little bits of income that they add up to enough income that gives you space to do the other I stuff. I think what makes it hard for us these little supplemental things is of course there's always other ways that we could make money but we want to make money that is meaning we want to do these things that are meaningful to us like yeah i can make more plans i can sell more pdfs i could write another book but is that really what i want to do spending my time mm -hmm. i want to do something that's meaningful to me that also benefits other people and at the same time helps pay the bills yeah I also think, and this is the, uh, this is just the honest truth of what we do for a living. We we have come into our jobs through a completely unrealistic economy. <laughs> the the I mean, historically the money around sponsorships for videos is stupid, and we're not. And the three of us are not even like you know, the Casey Neistats and the Roman Atwoods and the people who were just getting ungodly amounts of money. But the amount of effort to pay for certain sponsored things is totally upside down to the rest of people who work for a living. Yeah. And so yeah, that's I have noticed- when, when people, people, uh, my last video where I made the aluminum case is a supplement in the beginning, supplemental like exercise drink. My buddy's like, yeah. what are you doing that for? Because he's a real exercise guy. I was like, if I told you what I got paid, you would do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that makes it so that having those experiences and knowing like, well, I've done this much work for this much money in the past. I would have. And then to be like, 
well, now I want to I want to develop a little type of box that I can sell, and each one of those is going to profit yeah. one dollar and seventy five cents. You know, yeah. it's like, well, that's not worth the effort. But it's it's totally a comparative to an unrealistic thing that we just got to take part in or get to take yeah. part in or something on occasion. So, yeah, it's it's a weird thing. But I have felt that feeling of well, I, I yeah, used to struggle. It it's not worth it. I would struggle to. To the same amount of money I made for that commercial, I would have struggled at least two weeks when I was back in the city in my basement shop. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I'm privileged to be able to do that, and it annoys most of the viewers. But you know, that's the economy <laughs> we live in. I apologize in right. advance, but I am trying to give good content. And if you just uh, work your way past the first minute and 40 seconds, you're going to get good stuff. Yeah. I think yeah. it's more. It's, it's, it's so normal now. There's less complaints. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd say yeah, like, I, sure. yeah, it's it's like, hey, the guys, the guys making a living. I think people understand that a little bit more now. Yeah, yeah but it's it's just how we pay for stuff, you know. Well, I totally derailed our conversation, um, so sorry. Yeah, that was for that, maybe? I. It. I always feel better after those conversations. It's because the, <laughs> some of the struggles that I have feel so unique to me. And it's just sometimes it's nice to hear like, oh yeah, there's other people who have some of the same little mental struggles, and then we get to talk about read, it publicly. Gotta... Right. And through through all this iteration and everything, I'm I'm just trying to reinvent myself constantly. All just the trying time. to reinvent myself all the time. All the and, time. And that, you know, reinventing yourself uh, is just taking bigger chances and bigger failures. But whatever, you know, like I did those jeans a couple of years ago. I went through so much behind the scenes pain and agony with my business partner, with my partner on the design process. I said, as soon as that last one is mailed out, I will never do this again. But I thought for a minute that I was going to get a licensing deal with somebody. And so I did all that pain and suffering to try and get a licensing deal. It didn't happen. And that's fine. Now I know that's not what I want to do. But when it comes to giving something bespoke and custom made, now I can't, The that was the for me, that was, okay, I know I don't want to do that type of bespoke thing, but now making a leather handbag, that's cool. That's something anybody could fit into. There's no, is this tight here, but loose there? Yeah, there's no waist size in a bag. There's no waist size, yeah. When people say they want to make clothes, stay away. So I, that's, cool. that's why I don't make clothes. And that's why we make t-shirts, because it's so easy. Yeah. <laughs> Just print something on somebody else's shirt that's already been made and designed. But you have to have a good yeah. design, which we'll talk about next week. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am looking forward to talking about that. I was looking forward to it today. So, um, big thanks to everybody over at Patreon because they give us the space to be able to talk about random things like this and change the topic. Yeah, right in the middle of the show. Um, we are very grateful for everybody that helps us out over there. So, big thanks to everybody, but especially our top supporters: Crabtree Creative, The Web Wrench Specialties. That gets me every time. They change the name. Michael Manegin, Warren Works, The New Janky Workshop, Scott at Dad It Yourself, Sean Beckner, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Lowen Designs, Chad's Custom Creations, Chad for Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. But also, people like Rough House Salvage. There's lots of people that help us out. They all get the after show, which we put up video for the after show last week. Figured we're doing video. May as well keep that last little piece of video and put it up for them. Trying to figure out if that's worthwhile doing. Also, on the video front, uh, Forby is out of town. 
Forby is the one who's editing the video for this show. So we are going to do the episodes in video, but it's going to be a couple of weeks before they come out. A little pause there um, mm. while he takes some time with his family. So if you don't see him, that's why they will be there eventually. Oh, um, oh. Yeah. if anybody wants to join the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash making it. We would really appreciate the support. It, it helps create margin for us to do the things that we want to do. Honestly, that's just the truth mm. of it. So thank you. Bob, you're going to go to the light burn thing. You're going to meet my friend Gil from Australia. Gil Poznanski, oh, okay. cool. you know Gil? Have you oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen the name. Yeah. I don't think we've ever met. Yeah, Gil's yeah. going to be, he's going to be a speaker on the panel with you, or, you know, before or after you. So, cool. Yeah, I spoke to Gil last night. He just came in from Australia to, to come to that event. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the tickets are all sold out, but that event is this weekend in Peoria, Illinois. I always have a trouble saying Peoria. Peoria, Illinois. You know who's the, from Peoria? The, yeah, at the, you know who's from Peoria, Peoria Illinois? Um, I don't. Richard Pryor. The comedian. Oh. There you go. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, what do you guys have to recommend? Uh, you know, while we were talking, I, out of curiosity, I, the, if, if you watch the video, you could probably see it scrolling in my glasses. I looked up the King of Random <laughs> to see if the King of Random was still a channel. Mm-hmm. And it still is a channel. And we all talk about not getting views. The King of Random, all the views for the last year are like not more than 50,000 views. There's a new host. I don't know if it has Mm -hmm. anything to do with the new host. I don't know who the new host is, but I noticed a new person. Uh, For about a year and a half ago, they changed it to a new person. And so talk about keeping, keeping at it. They're keeping at it. But the last maybe 30 videos, nothing's over 60,000 views. Mm. Which is crazy, because the King of Random was like the biggest channel yeah. in the teens. Yeah. You know, when we when we were in the teens, that was it. Like if every video was millions of views. So obviously they went through some major serious changes. Uh, we all know what happened. But it's still there. They're still at it. Are you looking it up? No, oh. no, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, go but, check out The King of Random. I mean, the content still looks like it's interesting and fun. Mm-hmm. It just it just did that arc like you were talking about. So, th- that's that's my recommendation. I haven't looked at it in a while, but it was a big deal for all of us when it when yeah. it was rocking and rolling. It was definitely, a, it was like one of those like uh, rising tides, rise all boats kind of thing. And The King of Random was a big deal. F- I think it was, it was a big foundational thing for all of us. Absolutely. Cool. I was struggling up until a second ago to come up with something, but uh, I have something that's really good, and we probably have mentioned them before, um, but it's this guy's channel. It's called USSA Woodworking Plus 3D Printing. Are you familiar with this channel at all? So this guy is a 3D printing master, and he will 3D print all these jigs, but they're not just like, I'm going to 3D print a square. He is making some complicated jigs through 3D printing. And I've always been fascinated by that. And he came up with, he he did this Kickstarter or one of those crowdfunding places for a router jig. And I just got it. And so I backed it months ago. And then this package arrived on Monday. I'm like, what did I, I don't remember ordering anything. I opened it up and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I ordered this thing like a year ago this router jig is 
insanely well made. It's not 3D printed, but he went through all the different iterations through 3D printing and then had this thing manufactured. And it is packaged so well, comes with a beautiful case and all the parts are just perfectly machined. And it is a thing of beauty. I haven't used it yet because it's so complicated. I have to watch a video on what, how to use it and all the different things that it can do. But um, it, it, this, it's, 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 it's a perfect way to end this podcast talking about iteration and all the processes that you go through to, to then finally get to a point where you like, you have a physical product that you can be proud of and that looks beautiful and could have an impact on the, on the woodworking industry. So yeah, USSR. I mean, I'm watching the preview of that video. It's, that thing is pretty yeah. wild. Huh? You know, and okay, so, so I'm looking at his channel and looking at the views on his videos. Anytime, and, and this is proof to me that I'm wrong, okay? Because anytime that I think people are not interested in the weird crossover things that I am interested in, in woodworking and 3D printing, if I say that that can't garner enough views to be worthwhile, I am dead mm -hmm. wrong. Because looking at this guy's videos, he made a bench for makers out of aluminum extrusion. I have not watched the video. I'm looking at the thumbnail. 847,000 views from five months ago. This router sled thing that you're talking about, 566,000 views. Another one is 1.6 million. I mean, mm -hmm. like, I cannot use the lack of interest as an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not. So, yeah. Um, which is encouraging. I mean that in a good way. I mean that absolutely in a good I way. I hate marketing speak and terms, but something I've been thinking about lately is TAM, T-A-M, Total Addressable Market. And this was brought up to me, like what's the, what's the biggest market a woodworking YouTube channel could reach? And in my mind, I'm like, well, I see some people, you know, they're getting 100,000 or 200,000 views of, you know, constantly a video. I'm not up to that point. But then you look at, I think it's Blacktail Studio. Is that the name of the channel? He gets a million views yeah. a video. Mm -hmm. So the total yeah. addressable market for woodworking videos is at least 2 it's million big. views a video, right? So that gives me so much hope that I do something completely different. He does these crazy, amazing things. It costs a lot of money to make these things, but then he can sell them for a lot more money, right? I'm, I'm not doing that. I have a totally different approach, but I know that the total addressable market for a YouTube, woodworking YouTube video is at least 2 million. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good Cam, way to look Cam at it. Cam is doing it. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing that one. I, that's a, I wanna watch that channel. Um, my picks are the Creator Dynamics channel that I was talking about. I think he's got some just really good, helpful stuff. Um, and he's been in YouTube, like worked at YouTube for a long time. So I think he has a lot of insight there. Plus he's a creator, so he has like the experience of it. The other thing is totally different, but I ran across this random video about unreleased Star Wars toys. And <laughs> it was, so basically after the initial three movies came out, Kenner still wanted to make more toys, but there wasn't any more Star Wars. And so they, and there's a reason that this is interesting other than just that of Star Wars. Um, they started taking old 
figures and old sets like vehicles and stuff and started kit bashing them together and so the guy tells the story about these meetings they would have where they would bring all the toys in and they would just kit bash them together and make new ships out of parts from old ships and they would try to come up with a product line and so they tried to build this whole product line of stuff that didn't exist they wrote new stories this is kenner not lucasfilm they wrote these stories came up with new characters and then they took it to lucasfilm and said here's a whole new thing that we can make toys about and they were like no, we're good. Don't ever, <laughs> so none of these things ever got made. Don't ever come but, here again. Yeah. <laughs> but the cool thing was that they, it was like a taking old things and remixing them as a way to come up with new products and new toys and new ideas. And, you know, you can look at them if, if you know Star Wars at all. You look at them, you're like, oh, well, yeah, they took this one and this one and they cut them half and they glued them together. Like, it's not really that interesting. But they also reused sculpts of arms and bodies and then they would sculpt a new head for a character just to make a new character or whatever and so it was kind of interesting just to see maybe what's really common in the toy industry i have no idea but um to see not them doing the work but see the output of i think that most likely in my in my professional opinion i think it most likely was before they realized the impact of licensing they just saw products going off the shelf and like kids don't care what's what it is, mm. just make more. I could just imagine some old school, make another, who cares? They already bought these five, make five more. Who cares? It doesn't have to have a storyline, but yeah. obviously it does because people buy into the character. They buy into the culture of the character and the culture of the of the film, whatever it is. And to have one that's random, will set the kid off. You're like, what? Why? Why? what is this? It's a yeah. building that's a robot. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. It's a deep cut. But, it's an interesting uh, interesting video if anybody yeah. cares about that stuff. Cool. You guys got anything else for this week? Wow. An hour and 13 minutes. Yeah. Goodness Whoa. gracious. Cool. We're going to go do the after show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank, thank you. We'll see you next time. <laughs> that was a yawn for oh. people who are not watching video. Oh. <laughs>